In Jeremiah 12, 5, God challenges Jeremiah, If you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? Hello, this is Norman, and welcome to Run With Horses. Glad you could join today. Today, Susan's not with me, but I have an interesting topic, I think. I mean, it's something that's really, really common. It's a common problem. How about that? I was in the library today, the church library, and I was just kind of flipping through books because I like to do that sort of thing. And I came across this kind of small, old book, and it's called The Prison of Resentment. And it's by Bob Mumford, Mumford, M-U-M-F-O-R-D. And I had never heard of it, and it's subtitled, The Greatest Hindrance to Spiritual Maturity. And of course, I'm always interested in spiritual growth and spiritual maturity and uh, growing and moving toward Christ-likeness. So the subtitle I thought was really something that caught my attention, but it's talking about resentment and the prison of resentment. So it's kind of a catchy title, too. So a foundation to build on as we think about this idea today, we're going to be focusing on resentment. And I don't know about you, but most people I know probably struggle with resentment at some point in time. So if you're one of those people, then today hopefully will be helpful to you and encouraging to you. You're not alone. Lots of people do that. How do we deal with it, though? So from Galatians 5, 13 to 26, if you look at that, you can see that we're called to freedom. And we've already said the title of this book is uh, The Prison of Resentment. Well, that's not freedom. So if you're trapped in resentment, you're obviously not free. So we're called to freedom. And in that passage, it talks about love your neighbor as yourself to fulfill the law. Um, Walk by the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Have all these kind of ideas that are in that passage. And it's an unfortunate truth that it's a lot easier to love God than it is to love people. Surprise! (laughs) You're probably already aware of that. (laughs) But it's true that part of our relationship with God is loving other people. We live with other people on a constant basis. We're around people all the time, unless you are a hermit, which sometimes is quite appealing, to be honest, but we can't do that. So we live around people. We work around people. We play around people. They're just our people. And you know what? People are sinners. People are rotten. People lie and steal and cheat, and that's on a good day. (laughs) So it's unfortunate, but people are hard to love. And what that means is people will rub each other the wrong way, right? We live in relationship with people. We talk about that all the time. We live in this special relationship, particularly as a follower of Jesus, this special relationship called the church. So one thing that Mumford said that I thought was, I totally agree with it. He said, righteousness is relational. If you want to be righteous before God, you must get all of your relationships clear. So that's interesting, right? You, you want to be pursuing Christ-likeness. You want to be righteous before God. But one of the things God tells us is that the way that you handle your relationships, the way that you live, all of your relationships matters. <laughs> it's important. It makes a difference in your relationship with God. You know, it, it talks about our prayers can be hindered by our relationship with our spouse. If you're married, you know, you can, uh, your sin, your relationship with your spouse can hinder your prayers. 
So definitely our ability to relate well to God is at least affected by the relationships we have with people. So if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're righteous. You've been declared righteous. You have that position before God, right? So you don't have to worry about that. Your your place in eternity is secured. But the way that you live out your salvation is still up in the air. How are you going to follow through on this uh, commitment to follow Christ? So now what are you going to do? So living out your faith in the world today is primarily about your relationships. I mean, most of us, if you if you live by yourself, you wouldn't have a lot of problems. If you could take away the internet and you just live by yourself and you farmed and, you know, you wouldn't have a lot of major problems. Most of your problems seem to come from people. Maybe it's just me. Is it just me? And I tend to struggle with people, not things so much. So, if you look at the, the Ten Commandments, six of the Ten Commandments are talking about our relationship with people. Only four of them with God. So obviously, God understood from the beginning, you're going to struggle with people. They're kind of hard to deal with. They can be kind of prickly. So uh, the Beatitudes, they talk about our attitude, our heart focus, and it often relates again to people. So how important is our relationship with others? Well, uh, Mumford points out Matthew 5, 23 to 26. So it's so important that you should put reconciliation with another believer above your own worship of God. Now, that's huge. Can you can you really grasp that? That God says it's so important that you relate well to other people in my church family, that even if you're coming to lay your sacrifice at the altar and you remember that somebody has a problem with you, that you need to lay that, all, that sacrifice down and you need to go make it right. It's that important. That means it's more important than anything else that you have going on in your life. You can't just say, well, I'll deal with it next week or tomorrow. I've got, I've got other stuff to do. I'm busy. No, it's important. God says it's more important than your worship of me. Make it right. So when we think about that, okay, we're, we're coming closer to this topic of resentment. If you resent somebody, that's a problem. And, and it's a problem for you. <laughs> it's a problem for you, not just for your relationship with that person, but it's a problem for you and your relationship with God. So relationships in the church, particularly unity in the church, it's just super important to God. So Mumford then takes a, a little detour here, rabbit trail. Not really a rabbit trail, it's more of a detour. And, and gives some good insight as to why our relationships are in such a mess. And what he says is really, when sin entered... It affected, greatly affected, three areas. One, it just affected our relationship between us and God. You know, forever after, once sin is in the world, our relationship with God is stymied. You know, it's it deteriorated. It's broken. We, we had no relationship with God because of sin. That's one. Two, it affected our relationship between us and ourselves. And think about the world today and how many people struggle with the way they view themselves. They don't understand themselves. They don't know how to think about themselves properly. So sin has affected not just our relationship with God, but it affected your relationship with you. That's huge. Sin means you can't think about yourself properly. It's one reason why to study and really think about our identity as God defines it is really important. If you understand how God defined you and you really grasp that and agree with that and believe that, it affects your relationship with you, and you're much more comfortable in your own skin. You're much more willing to, to say, well, I made a mistake, but 
I'm forgiven. It doesn't define me. This mistake that I made in the past doesn't define me into the future because I'm forgiven and because I'm going forward with the intention of continuing to follow Christ. So we need to understand our identity in Christ. We need to understand who we really are. Uh, I think that is the root of a lot of the depression and, and bitterness as we're going to get to in a little bit. And all those things come back to we, we don't really understand ourselves. We don't really know how to think about ourselves. We don't identi- identify ourselves properly. So and the third one is it affected our relationship between us and everybody else. And there it's doubly so because with God in us, the problem is just us. <laughs> with us and us, the problem is just us. But with us and another person, yeah, it's both of us. <laughs> they're equally sinners and they're equally confused about themselves and their motivations and why they do what they do and how they do it and all those kind of things. So we're we're just confused, a bunch of people. <laughs> and of course, we're going to bump up ends and, and have issues. So God wants you to know and experience forgiveness from both ends. That's from God and from other people. God wants other people to experience forgiveness from him, but also from us. So because God has forgiven us, we can freely forgive other people. So the, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, now we get on to our thoughts about resentment, defines resentment as a feeling of indignant displeasure or persistent ill will at something regarded as a wrong, an insult, or injury. Oh yeah, it's personal. <laughs> it is a feeling of, I, I'm, I have been wronged. You didn't treat me right. And it makes me think of, I often think about the idea that we're supposed to be a servant and the test for whether you actually have a servant's heart or not is how do you feel, how do you act when people treat you like a servant? We don't like that typically. We don't like to be treated like a servant. I deserve better. Okay, well, that shows that our heart is maybe not quite where God wants it to be. And this idea of resentment also is very close to that idea of uh, you're treating me like a servant and I resent that. Ooh. So... Maybe we're resentful for a lot of things that we don't think about. So you can think about one example of this in the Bible is Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army who went to Elisha. And Elisha uh, sent a servant out to tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And what did Naaman say? I can't believe this guy. He didn't even come out himself. He sent a servant to talk to me. Does he not know who I am? And he wants me to go and dip in the river. And we've got cleaner rivers back home. I I don't want to dip in this dirty river. I... He felt slighted by Elisha, and he was resentful. Hmm. Ever felt that way? Somebody treated you like they didn't treat like you felt like you deserved? They treated you poorly? Well, Mumford tells us that resentment starts as a subjective thought. It's just our own personal feeling and thought. And it's only known between us and God usually in the beginning. So resentment starts with somebody did something, and maybe it wasn't intentional, but I was offended by what they did. You know, Elijah's intention was to help Naaman. He told him what to do, and it worked when he finally did it. So he wasn't intending to offend Naaman. He was intended to help him, and he told him what to do. And it doesn't tell us. Maybe Elisha has, was sick. Maybe he was in the middle of something. Who knows? But he wasn't trying to slight Naaman. And a lot of times when we feel resentment, it's not that someone's intending to hurt us, but we take it that way. So in the beginning, it's just between us and God. The other person usually doesn't even know. We just felt offended. We felt slighted. So, but we dwell on it, and then we wallow in it. It's like the pig in the mud, and wallow in it, really get into it. And then this resentment builds up. We really get comfortable with that resentment, and it turns into a grudge. 
You know, then we, we really hold on to it. Then we, we tie it up, make sure we've got it. Now we're stuck. And we've been back and forth in this resentment so much that it kind of digs down into the ground. And now we've got a rut. It's hard to get out of. And we tend to keep going over and over and over it again, just making it deeper and deeper. So Mumford gives us four things that help us, ideally, as we think about resentment, both avoiding to get into that state and to get out of it as it's a trap. So in the beginning, you, you really just don't want to get in the trap. That, that's your best is to recognize as soon as you have that thought, hey, that I didn't deserve that. To recognize I have all kinds of things I didn't deserve. I, I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve eternity. I don't deserve the love of Christ. Whole list of things I don't deserve. And in the grand scheme of things, this one is pretty minor. Doesn't matter what it is. So I can let it go because I'm happy to have received a lot of the things I didn't deserve. So first, what Mumford says is that recognize that testing is a real thing. You will be tested in life in big ways, in little ways. And God often brings a testing through people that you know, through situations, through conversations, through something that somebody does that gives you an opportunity to respond. And the test is in how do you respond? Do you respond with joy and thanksgiving based on your relationship with Christ and who God is and what he's done in your life? Or do you base completely, base your response upon the temporal, what's going on right now in this situation, in this life? And too often we base our response on what's going on right now in this life. We're not thinking beyond right now and right now, I feel slighted. And we don't go any further. So we don't recognize the test and we just completely fail it. And we're just spiritually not in a good place. Well, we fail the test and eventually God shows us and we have this great struggle to get back and we hopefully learn something. That's kind of the way the test works. <laughs> but recognize that testing is a real thing. And this is one of the ways that God brings testing into your life. Second, we all really need a large dose of the sovereignty of God. What do we mean by that? God's in control all the time. Not most of the time, not some of the time, all the time. So this thing that God allowed to come into your house, this, uh, this test, whatever it was, he allowed it into your life. It was through this person's conversation, through their actions. Maybe it was something, I don't know, that happened. The universe conspired against you with what you feel like, but God allowed it to happen. And the important point in that sentence, God allowed it to happen, is God. He is sovereign. He's in control. Nothing comes into your life that will hinder the work that God is doing in your life. And if you recognize that, then this slight is easier to deal with. There's nothing that this person can do or say that's going to hinder God's plan for me. I can recognize that. So I can turn from my resentment to this person to God. Say, God, I'm going to leave that and turn to you because you're where the joy is, not in that person. Not in their response to me, not in their words, not in their actions. You are where I'm going to find joy. And you're where I'm always going to find joy. So we need to embrace that he's doing the work and he's doing it well. And try to embrace the method that he's using, which may be difficulties. Sorry, that's just the way God works. Third, if you understand God's sovereignty, it's a little easier to accept the test with joy. And that's really what we want to get to. This is where the rubber meets the road. Accepting with joy doesn't mean that you weren't wronged. 
you know, you can be wronged and still say, God, uh, I counted all joy that I'm worthy to suffer. I, God, I counted all joy that you've allowed this test into my life and I'm allowed to turn to you. And I'm forced once again to recognize that you alone are worthy, that you alone uh, love me and will never slight me, that you alone uh, are able to comfort me. Uh, God, it, it's you alone. And we can thank God for that, even when we are slighted, when we face difficulties. It means learning to handle life by trusting God with the details. That's really what we want to be learning as a Christian. My goal is to trust God with all of my life, every day of my life. Fourth, if you don't get a handle on your thoughts and emotions, resentment imprisons you and robs your relationships of the joy and value God intends. So little things become big things, and our spiritual life suffers, and we become bitter. So to recognize here that this test comes, and if I don't get a handle on that and turn that over to God, then this is going to damage my spiritual life. It's going to damage my relationship with this person. It's going to damage my relationship with God. And if I become bitter and really begin to hold a grudge, then this could be an, a long process of pain and suffering in many people's lives that doesn't have to be there. If I will simply take that thought of resentment and just give it to God. So, what Mumford says is resentment comes when God or another, a person, doesn't do what you think he should. <laughs> have you ever felt that way? God shouldn't have done that. Why did God allow that to happen? And we feel resentment that God allowed something into our life or sometimes somebody's life that we love. Maybe you have a sibling or a parent or a child and something happened and you resent God because of what God allowed into their life. Because you think he shouldn't have done that. Other times it's not God, it's a person. They do something and they shouldn't have done that to me. I didn't deserve that. And we'll hold on to that and resentment builds into this grudge and bitterness and it goes on and destroys that relationship and makes us a terrible person to be around and just basically makes everybody miserable. That's not really what we're going to go for. So resentment is easy to, to get into. I mean, it's easy to get to the point where we resent somebody for something. Because, let me break it to you if you haven't heard this before, at some point in time, probably fairly often, somebody's not going to think as much about you as you think about yourself. <laughs> it's just a truth in life. Sorry, we, we love ourselves more than most other people love us. We don't love us, ourselves as much as God loves us. But certainly, other people tend to love themselves more than they love us. And they think about themselves more than they think about us. Part of the problem, the way we get into resentment, is that we feel that someone intentionally slighted us when the truth is, they never thought about you at all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that's part of what hurts. They should have thought about me, even though there are 40 other people that were affected by this. I'm the one that matters because I'm, <laughs> I'm here. And that's, we all feel that way, all 40 people. <laughs> Resentment's easy to walk into. So our expectations of God and of other people put us in this position of being disappointed all the time. Just on a regular basis, you're going to be disappointed because of what somebody else did. That, that's the way life works. But we need to take that disappointment and say, God, yeah, once again, I was disappointed, but I've never been disappointed in you. You have fully fulfilled your promises to me. The sin nature we struggle with causes us to desire things and believe that we deserve them. So I, 
I deserve to be treated a certain way. I deserve to have a certain standard of living. I deserve certain things. And you know what? You don't. I don't. And God sometimes allows testing and trials to come into our life to force us to our knees to the point we recognize that what we really need is more of God. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more respect. We need more humility. And we need more of God. We need more time with Him. We need to know His Word better. We, we need to spend more time in prayer. Uh, but we, we don't need all these things that we look at life and see other people have. I, I need that. No, you don't. You need God. But because we want these things, we, you know, we want attention, praise, recognition for every little thing we do. That's just the world we live in today. You know, when we recognize for breathing. <laughs> wow, good job breathing today. Whew. We want recognition for everything. We want respect and honor. And we don't get it. We slide right into resentment. And we dig that trench. Dig that rut a little deeper. And before long, we've got a grudge that's hard to move. We've got bitterness that just is in our soul. <laughs> and we're unhappy. Not just unhappy, we're miserable. And we're miserable to be around. And our relationships are marked by that resentment, that grudge. Because it ends up not just affecting you and that person that you resented in the beginning. You end up telling other people about your resentment. You tell other people about how this person offended you and how they did that, and they shouldn't have done that. And you make them miserable, too, just having to hear your story. So somehow we take that resentment and that misery, and we just share it. We, we spread the misery around. Resentment just eats us alive. And then our relationship with God is, is hurt. So we open God's Word, and we don't see God. We, we go to pray, and we go, God, are you there? And it's this resentment that is a prison. It's a prison of our own making that God says you, you don't have to carry that. You're not supposed to carry that. If you would forgive and turn to me, then I would bring healing. You can find the joy, the peace that passes understanding. It's yours. It's available. But it doesn't go side by side with carrying resentment. You can't have the peace of God and the resentment that you're carrying and take both of those with you. You, you, you can't do that. you got to let go of the resentment, or you don't have the peace. So it makes sense when you think about all of our life, and we see ourselves as the authority. If you see yourself as the authority and someone else doesn't treat you as the authority, you're going to be resentful. Uh, it's difficult for us to surrender that authority to God, to surrender our authority that we know that we have to God. We don't want to serve other people. We don't want to be treated like a servant. Humility is low on our list of traits we value, even though you can look at Philippians and say, well, yeah, this, this marked Jesus. He was humble. He walked this wor world with humility. And if I genuinely want to be like him, I, I need to be pursuing a life of humility. And humility and resentment don't go hand in hand. But we don't like humility. People might treat you like a doormat. <laughs> they, might, they might slight you. They might slander you. Uh, they might offend you. Treat you like a servant. <laughs> yeah, they might. Probably will, actually. They certainly treated Jesus like dirt. <laughs> Hung him on a cross. There you go. 
do we follow him to the cross? Or do we say, well, God, I'm too good for that. I deserve better. I know you went to the cross, you were beaten, you were killed, but I deserve better. I don't deserve that. So I'm going to hold on to this resentment until everybody treats me like they should. When they come begging for forgiveness, I'll think about it. And you know what? Most people don't come begging for forgiveness, and we hold on to that grudge. And our testimony, our life of service to God is marked, is often negated altogether because of this bitterness and resentment that we carry. So what should we do? Well, I mean, I, I always say it, it's just not that complicated. What you should do is, it's simple to understand. It's just hard to do, right? So love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It starts there. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the mind there is really important because bitterness often starts with that, that attitude, that feeling, that thought that I was not treated right. Well, loving God with all our mind means our mind needs to catch that thought Take that thought captive and surrender it to God and say, God, this is the fact. I was treated this way, but I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to trust that you will deal with things in your time and in your way. And I'm just going to love you with everything I've got. And as we're loving God with a heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it takes strength, it's going to take some effort. If you're really going to love God in the middle of being treated poorly, in the middle of things that might cause you to be bitter, it's going to take some effort. You also need to love your neighbor as yourself. And we love ourselves. That's why we don't like to be offended. <laughs> to consider others better than ourselves. To really make an effort to try to serve them. I mean, we really, we need to do that. To, to make an effort to, to be humble, to look at other people and desire to see them grow. Desire, them, desire to see them to be all that God wants them to be. So resentment hurts you more than it hurts the one you resent. Like I said earlier, often the person you resent doesn't even know that you feel slighted. They didn't intentionally do it. Sometimes they did. But if that's the case, then really it hurt you more than it hurt you. Maybe they intended to hurt you. And by allowing it to hurt you, you're giving them a victory that maybe God didn't want to give them. If you turn to Him and have joy, then you are not capable of being offended in that way. So, I would say if you're struggling with bitterness, with resentment, ask God to release you and forgive you and turn to Him and receive the joy and peace that He offers you today. That's the life that God wants us to live. And it's a hard world. But we're following Jesus and this world's broken. And we're going to face trials. We're going to face struggles. We're going to face times when we're going to feel resentment. But we don't have to hold on to it. Don't surrender. Don't give in and live in the prison of resentment. What you do want to do, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Keep running. Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T-A-L-K at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.